This is you and your body with Katie Asari. Let's shed the stigma, move through the awkwardness, and get a bit uncomfortable together. Let's talk about our bodies. Thank you so much for listening. is my deep sigh of relief that at least the election is done. I um I think we all felt a lot of stress, anxiety around the election in those couple of days between Tuesday and Saturday waiting for results felt uh like it was hard to have anything else on our minds. Um But I am so incredibly glad that the result is done. Um, I don't think it's any secret that I am a Biden-Kamala supporter and uh, that it felt really good to know that I won't feel nearly as stressed about the presidency for the next four years. Um, I don't want to not acknowledge that it was still a pretty painful election for a lot of people. Um, It felt really hard to know that that many people were still willing to vote for Donald Trump despite the hate speech and uh, racism that he has exhibited in the way that he speaks towards different groups of people. And, And I don't want to ever deny that experience that someone might be having, that that's still really painful. Um, But I do feel like on this very, like, daily level... We're going to experience a little bit less stress, at least around my household. And that feels good. That it does. That is my two cents. Uh, and watching Kamala's speech on Saturday evening, just, oh, my heart. I cried. Uh, and it feels powerful. And I hope that no matter uh, where your political leanings are, that you also felt the power of that moment. And felt the presence of a woman in one of the highest offices of the land. And not only a woman, but a woman of color. Oh, it felt so powerful. And um, I couldn't help but imagining someday being able to look at my little daughter, uh, who I don't have children. I'm not pregnant, but we hope to have children. And I just imagine being able to look into her sweet eyes and tell her that anything's possible. And that someone like her, a biracial woman is in the White House. And so I think that's a really, really powerful thing and shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, So how's your body doing? It's been a lot. And I really hope you've been diving into some care for yourself. Um, And this is such a great episode to give you some hot tips for caring for you. We get to speak to Jane, who is this incredible human who's constantly pushing my thinking. Um... And she has some great tips around how to nourish your body, how to work with your body, um, and to help it to be as full of peace as it can. Although never peace at the sacrifice of action to support others. In yoga, we have this phrase, loka samasta sukino bhavantu. And it's by far my favorite uh, bit of Sanskrit that I chant sometimes. Um, which literally just means singing it to myself. Um, 
I don't even know if I do it right, but it feels good. Uh, and I say it sometimes out loud, and it means may all beings everywhere be happy and free. And may my thoughts and actions contribute to the freedom and happiness of all. Uh, and to me, the power comes in that second bit. To always remember that we nourish ourselves. We build ourselves up so that we can be in service to others' freedom and happiness. So let's soak up some of those hot tips from Jane. Uh, welcome to You and Your Body, the podcast. Thanks for having me, Katie. Thank you so much for holding this space for everybody that you're interviewing. Uh, I'm so excited about it. Um, so this is Jane, both a dear friend and colleague and teacher um, from Moda Yoga Kelowna, so the sister studio to the studio that I teach at in Seattle. Um, and I, you asked me when we first connected over email, and I don't even know how to answer that. I've been going to the studio for like four and a half years, five and a half years. I think I've been teaching for about four and a half. And so I've known you for a really long time just in that capacity. But I felt like over time, slowly, we'd have these really like magical gem of a moments together, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I was remembering back to you doing the training in Kelowna. Yeah. That was when I felt like we really started a friendship for sure. Totally. Oh, what a magical time. Um, and I think one thing I'm always really excited about spending time talking to you is that I feel like your brain operates on a plane that's quite different than mine in a way that I find so inspiring and interesting and thoughtful. So that's, I just love speaking to you because I feel like you always have an idea that I never thought of. Oh, Katie, that's great. Because even before we got on this call, I was uh, just reflecting on some of your questions. And one of your questions is why are you curious about this podcast and you and your body? And I thought the same thing about you. I was like, because you always just have these different like perspectives on things and different ideas and a different view of the world. And you've got your mind and your fingers into all these unique planes that I, I'm, you know, naive to. And so right back at you. Well, thanks. And that's usually a question I like to start with people. Like all I put out there in the world was that I wanted to talk about people's relationships to their bodies. Like it was pretty simple. I didn't have like a very defined term of exactly what I wanted from the experience. I just wanted to talk to people about what their body journey has been like. And so what about that kind of called to you or made you think like, yeah, I'm down. I'll sit and talk about that. Because I feel like I've really had quite a, quite a journey. And yeah. I think, through the long journey of long as in the years I've had the like the tools of the yoga practice which brings you back continuously to having awareness be in awareness and being in awareness without judgment has meant that over probably 10 years that my journey of my relationship with my body has changed yeah. um, and I've been aware of the little gradual shifts in the in the, in the process um so it even your inquiry like even you having this podcast is like oh yeah like my relationship to my body has really changed and i'm grateful for that and i consider some people who do have the tools to change their relationship with their body for for the better and other people are often changing their relationship with their body maybe not for the best yeah. um but we all have one we all have a body and everybody's relationship is different 
and you can't really tell what somebody's relationship is with like is with their body from looking at them i mean unless you really ask those deeper questions in the right moment who's going to open up and and share that i think you that's can't tell from the clothes that people wear or the way that they carry themselves how they feel about their body no and you certainly can't tell from what their body looks like aesthetically like i could no. think a banging body and then you talk to them and then you have a ton of insecurities about it like it really has nothing to do with how the physical form looks like how people feel about it totally a huge learning of in life when i was like oh wait if you feel the same way i do then maybe i should say like who gives a fuck (laughs) (laughs) i look like you and i'd still be worried about it then maybe it's pointless (laughs) it has nothing to do with it you know yeah yeah absolutely you know, I've always been like a little bit more spacious lady. And I remember talking to some quite thin girls when I was younger and being like, you have the same issues I do. Like, then maybe it's not about how much I weigh. Like maybe in reality, that's not very important. Yeah. Even when you say weigh, like I couldn't tell you how much I weigh. I don't even remember the last time I weighed myself. Do people still weigh themselves? Why would you weigh yourself? You're going to learn. Everybody's that. different. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's different and they're in a different place in the in the journey for sure how would you describe your early experiences of your body and you can interpret that how young pretty pretty messed up I definitely was weighing myself when I was a teenager absolutely um pretty warped uh I came from like I lived in a small town I went to high school in a small town with a small high school I had a great group of friends I didn't huh Oh, I just said in Australia, to be clear. I forgot to in mention Australians. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in country, country, New South Wales, Australia. And even though it was a very like gentle high school experience, I was very um, overly concerned with what I looked like, but then would, you know, yeah, just obsess over what I would look like, basically. And and I read a lot of magazines and I watched a, a lot of TV and movies and I wanted to look like the women in the magazines. And I have fair skin and I get freckles in the sun. I have red hair. That's my colouring. And I hated my freckles. I didn't – I wanted to be tanned. I wanted to look a different way. So that's kind of where it started. And then as, you know, as things go on and as you do go through different phases of life where you might be a little bit fitter or a little bit healthier and then less so, quite a lot of waves in my 20s. And then once I got into very committed like daily practice and more teaching of yoga, and that's where I'm kind of saying the last 10 years has been, I've had more mindfulness in my life and now I can look back and be like, huh. There really has been these little incremental changes and the uncomfortable things that I started doing gently for myself, maybe every day, maybe a few times a day or maybe once a week, have built up over years to make a difference to now. But even now, through a lot of devoted practices, which I can share if we want to get into that, I still have like, I, I still have challenges. Yeah. Because we all do, and I'm, all humans. Yeah, yeah. And then just the unraveling and the layers of like, if you really, if you really want to love yourself, it's it's all of yourself. And now I'm 34, and it's only been in the last year that it's like 
oh there's going to be aging <laughs> that's a new one so my car this is what people talk about with like line lines in your body or like skin is different and the body's just different totally. so many different chapters through different phases of life what was your pathway to yoga i don't know that i know that like what brought you to the I, I was super super blessed my fabulous fantastic mother i always had a morning practice so she was practicing you know in the pokey little lounge room while the kids are getting ready for school and doing housework in between postures and getting everybody up to go and <laughs> and making it a part of her life not through classes but through her own practice and my small town had one yoga teacher and when i was about 14 i was doing bits of dance lessons like contemporary and jazz and my mum found this one teacher who was only around the town for a short period of time but he put on some classes and she took me and we did a class together and I loved it right away. I think I loved it because I was already loving jazz and ballet and, and contemporary dance, but the yoga felt that it felt more natural than that. Mm. Yeah. So I wouldn't say I had like a super regular practice from there, but it was always a part of my life from since I was about 14. Mm. I remember when I first did yoga, it was like, I used to be really into high impact interval training like all of the, oh, I was very into like very intense exercise. And I remember I would come home from yoga sometimes at the like gyms I would go to, you know, there'd be a yoga class and I'd be like, all right, I'll try it. And I would come <coughs> and complain to Quasi if it wasn't hard enough. I'd be like, I didn't sweat enough. I don't see what the point is. I was never out of breath. So I don't know <laughs> why, why am I even going? And then Quasi would always be like, I don't think that's the point. Maybe you should just keep trying. <laughs> Oh, crazy. Such a yogi. He is. He has a yogi spirit. And he's been yoga yeah. four days a week now. That's but. wonderful to hear. Lots of people have picked up the practice in a different way since needing to stay at home. Absolutely. Well, so from there, then you eventually became a really big part of your life. I know that you worked on ski resorts and stuff. Yeah, I worked at a ski resort in British Columbia um, called Big White. That's what originally brought me to Canada. Mm -hmm. that wasn't really anything to do with skiing that was really just <laughs> having an adventure having an adventure yeah um, how old were you yeah I was 25 before that I'd been living in different parts of the world I lived in Europe for two years and I it was like like a early 20s just feeling fancy free exploring the world working in different casual sort of service type jobs and I would always find yoga studios where I could mm. and sporadically show up and take yoga classes uh, or follow books or DVDs. And as I was traveling around in my early 20s, eventually I had saved up some money and I was like, you know what, I, I'm going to go and do a yoga training. Um, and I chose one in Bali that was, that was exactly 10 years ago this uh, last November mm. and it had a whole raw food diet as well cool. so the food was all um catered but they trained you and showed all of us how to incorporate more raw foods into our diet as well mm. as superfoods and just generally had a big like new you know food nutrition angle to it it was an excellent training radiantly yeah. alive in Ubud in Bali um and I did that training with the intention of being able to deepen my own practice. Mm -hmm. I didn't have an intention of teaching, 
what really happened was the the teachings were almost overwhelming and when I came out of that I was just so overwhelmed I was like well I'll never be able to teach they just taught me all the deep philosophy I'm never going to get my head around that and because I'd been practicing for 30 days with a big group of people I felt like a little lone wolf out of my own and I didn't practice very much after that I think I was a bit sad that I'd had the yoga community for those 30 days and then then I went on and lived somewhere else that didn't have a yoga community because I was working in a resort remotely. And when I came to Kelowna after the ski season, the first thing I did was go and try and find a yoga studio. And then I discovered the wonderful yoga community that is in the city that I live in Kelowna, which was the first time that I felt like I could go to a studio regularly. I connected to the same teacher regularly. It, It felt like a regular part of my life. Whereas before my lifestyle was, it was a different lifestyle. So that's one thing that really kept me in Canada was the amazing community of yogis here in the city. And I really, I I really love the Pacific Northwest. I think this is a really special part of the world. And it's been an extra bonus to be able to travel down to Seattle and expand my circle with all of you fabulous people. I love the PNW too. Am I right that it, it feels like a very Australian thing to travel in your early 20s? Like every time I traveled in my early 20s, I loved hanging out with the Aussies. They were always fun. They always were calm. All the Americans were always upset about everything and stressed out. I always felt like if you found an Aussie, you'd be okay. Like just find an Aussie. That's a great memory. I'm glad that you remembered it like that. Yes, it is It is very common. Um, I see it as great privilege. I think Australians have really great privilege. They, they feel very, um, in a positive way, they feel entitled. They feel like, yeah, I can go and live wherever I want and I'm going to be able to explore confidently and I want to, I want to go out into the world. And Australia also has a generous minimum wage. So even as you're working in any regular jobs, it's quite accessible to save up enough money and go on a trip. I think and Australia is so far from everywhere. Like it's out on its it own. So once, once you get out, you, you're kind of going to go for a while and keep going. And the, the most of Australia is like a very general statement, but the landscape is very different across the whole country, but it doesn't change much culturally. Hmm. That's interesting. I got to go to Australia for the first time last year. I know. I was so happy for you. Melbourne and Sydney. And then I went up to the Great Barrier Reef. It was a wild adventure. One of my favorite memories, we won't get too far off the you and your body, but I just have to tell you about this. I, because it's me. I was like, I obviously don't want to spend the money to rent a car, but I will take a two-hour bus ride out into the middle of nowhere because they're koalas. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. these koalas. So, you know, and then off Melbourne, there's, like, penguins and stuff, too. So I was like, I'm doing it. And I had read that there are, like, e-bikes in this little town. So I was like, I'll just rent an e-bike, and there's that's fine. Well, it couldn't have been a cuter country bus driver. He, like, knew everybody by name. He, like, got my name, promised to wake me up at my stop so I could take a nap. I just, like... It couldn't have been a more delightful ride through the countryside just to see all the like little towns. Did and you get to see a koala? Yeah, I got to see koalas and right. twins and wallabies. It was an adventure. Yeah, there's some 
pretty freaky animals down there. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry to derail this with the Australian conversation, but I just noticed that it seems like Australians tend to travel a lot more than Americans in their younger years, which I think is a really beautiful practice to get more people outside of our own countries. But, um, why well, derailed us? Good. Well, we were talking. We were talking about yoga. Oh and yeah, and journey towards being a yoga teacher and. Honestly, even as a yoga student and being in studios, different studios, but eventually finding my way to Moksha, which is now Modo in Kelowna, and the big mirrors and doing a practice, and this wasn't as common in the yoga that I'd been doing for the previous chapter of my life, having those big mirrors right there and you're hot, so my skin would go flush and red and you're sweaty. And in my very first class at Moksha was then, the teacher said, look at yourself in the mirror with eyes of love. And I just, in my head, I was just like, bleh, as if. <laughs> and I, I'm so happy that I remember that so clearly because now I'm the teacher that would probably say that to the room. Oh, I make them whisper out loud to themselves. I'm like, oh, look at yourself yeah. and say, I love you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, put your hand on your heart and repeat, I love you. Absolutely, Katie, me too. And I, I just really am happy that I, like, have that definite memory of being like, oh, I'm not looking at myself in the mirror right now with eyes of love. I look like a drowned rat. <laughs> I think it's also helpful because it helps us not be, not feel judgment. Like, there are times where I say stuff like that, and I know there's at least a few people in class who are like, grown eye roll Come on. this girl's doing the most but it helps me because yeah. I'm like I used to be that girl it's fine like do that yeah. at me like if someday it resonates with you great if not that's totally. fine <laughs> totally totally sometimes it's nice to look back and maybe see how far you have come right yeah and, and one not, of the not sweaty enough yoga sessions oh one Come of on. the one of the teachers there like you know, it was already a dear friend. And, and so she would see me and feel me and really keep nudging me towards, hey, don't talk to yourself like that. Like, no, you, Jane, you can't talk to yourself like that. Stop it. And even, I mean, this was before Instagram, before Instagram influences, before the new wave, new age, love yourself kind of message, which is awesome now. Um, but back then, that was a whole new concept to me. Totally. I remember the mirror being a really big barrier to my practice, to be honest. Like, it really, I had to confront the mirror before my practice could improve, like, my alignment. Because I was just so averse to looking at my body that I, like, I couldn't fully absorb the cues that I was being given because that was just so scary. And I mean, there are still days in the hot room where I will intentionally set up at the back and take off my glasses for practice just mm. because I want a little space. Like, I just yeah. want to not have to worry about it today. Like, yeah. you know, I just want to move and feel good and not have to handle it every day. But most days, I feel better now to be able to look at myself while I practice. But well, it can go. It can go all the way in the other direction too. If you, you or someone could get obsessed with looking at themselves, and then you start overanalyzing that alignment, which is my almost tendency, is like, are things lined up perfectly? Yeah. You know? 
And then it's nice to sometimes just do practice without mirrors, which is where we're at right now. My home space definitely doesn't have full-size mirrors. And I'm so grateful for it because I'm turning more towards how it feels, which I've, I always kind of have, but in a new way. Yeah. And I mean, my relationship with my body or like, I guess not my message about my body, but my message for, for like in conversation, if I'm reflecting on where my relationship's at now, especially as I'm feeling into aging, I'm like, I think it's more about how my body feels. Yeah. It's way more about how it feels than how it looks. Mm-hmm. It, during, let's just call it, what it is, COVID lockdown. <laughs> um, I keep trying to pick my words carefully for this <laughs> chapter. Um, you know, things are amplified in a different way and I'm not moving this in the same way. So my body's going to change. My eating habits are different. They're, they're much better in some ways and they're not as good in other ways. So my body's going to be different. Mm-hmm. And because I'm sitting more and I'm not doing as much walking and just generally being less mo- mobile, yeah. my body like got really sore and tight and like yeah. basically like clogged up and uncomfortable yeah. and haven't, I haven't felt like that in years. And I was like, shit, I'm going to oh, need that. to get moving more every day. Not because I'm worried about anything about putting on weight or getting soft. I'm worried about like being in pain. Right. My low back. And that's kind of what I think brought my partner Kwesi finally to yoga after years of kind of, he's a meditator. He's the one who taught me to meditate. He's always been in the realm, but just has avoided the physical practice. But he was like, my low back hurts. I, I'm in pain. Can you try and help me? <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of us, this lifestyle of living in this 900 square foot apartment, 95% of my time is not super ideal for my body. It feels sticky. And, mm. you know, yeah, and tight in places that it feels, it's getting better, mm-hmm. but the first few weeks were rough. Mm-hmm. To feel trapped emotionally and in my body for the first few weeks of COVID was pretty hard. It felt like a lot of things were trapped. <laughs> yeah, I feel like every week has been like a different kind of part of the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Every hour, in some cases. Maybe sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I've adopted the term emotional terrorist, which I know is probably <laughs> no, not the but I feel like my poor partner. I mean, there's just days where I am on a ride and like get on or get off, but this is how like. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I like will be so upset and angry and then I'll be like, just listen to some fun music and dance. That'll be better than mm. dancing, but crying. Like, mm. what? <laughs> like I'm trying so hard to get things moving. Cause I find, I found if I'm in a foul mood, a walk, bike ride or dance is like, I just have to move my body to get yeah. things moving. Or else yeah. like I get stuck. And that's really a conversation that you can incorporate with your great inquiry for this podcast is it's, you know, your body, but your body is so multi-layered. It isn't just how it looks. It's also often, like we're saying, how it feels, but some of those feelings, strong energy, super strong energy. And if you have some inspiration or some tools or some methods to get that energy processed, moved, like worked through, felt, great but if you don't like that's unfortunately when people turn to numbing agents yeah totally and i mean i'm not free of the numbing agents i'm not perfect <laughs> yeah. but there's 
yeah, there's a lot of things to be felt and they're going to be felt like really in, in the body, you know, like tight chest, upset stomach, like, yeah, sore low back, legs feeling congested, all sorts of different things. Yeah. What are some of the ways you've been kind of trying to change your narrative with COVID or try to make it different, I guess? Um, I'm using it almost like self-therapy. Um, Kylie, our, our mutual dear friend and wonderful pioneer leader of the studio, has said in one of her classes, you know, you really, you can't get, it's something like you can't get away from yourself. Like everywhere you go, there you are. You're, you're right up in your own shit. <laughs> and it's I have really been feeling that. I'm like, huh, interesting. Right. So I felt like I've had some really big un- personal unravelings because I, I turn towards myself and I watch myself and I'm like, huh, there you are doing that thing again. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, pr- I'm, I'm very blessed with my kind of living scenario. I live with two wonderful people. So I have engagement with humans that are, I love dearly, that are just great people. We live very well together. And I have a spacious house with outdoor space. Mm-hmm. So we, we've really been pretty sweet and I have a great job that I'm, passionate about and I'm able to do from home although that does come with emotion because it's like the job um you know is looking after a business that is at risk like all small businesses um so there was some stress there and definitely some new stresses that and a chaotic period that I wasn't used to feeling chaos like that and I don't run and in those first few weeks of COVID I was like what am I going to do with myself like you know that operating in that like high frequency state all day on a laptop phones conversations crisis management and then you're just like usually what you do is go into a power flow class in a hot room and you can't do that so you're it was a couple of frantic runs outside. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of compassion. I've been holding myself with a lot of compassion and a lot of just witnessing, witnessing compassion. I haven't been using up all of my spare time. I noticed that I was a bit of a chronic doer and lot was almost like addicted to productivity mm-hmm. i've also in the last few days been like yeah you're also addicted to fun and whatever you can do to make fun happen and usually my fun would involve groups of people and things like live music and oh, i'm gonna go do this on the weekend or there would be you know drinking and even after this many weeks like had a beer last night didn't even finish it i'm like that's not really doing it for me that's you know the the things that usually give you that like oh it's going to be fun to like have the dinner with the wine and then it's like yeah. it's not really giving you the the same the same buzz and like at the end of that thought process and that realization is for me I'm like this the sacred mundane it's okay like it's actually really beautiful like just sitting underneath a tree you don't have to have the extra, extra, extra fun, sparkly, everything all the time. <laughs> it's true. So, but 
So that, I mean, that's just a snippet. I feel like it's been um, personal therapy every day. For sure. I've never been more aware of the patterns in my behavior. I think just because, like you said, like I can't get away from myself. So like I've never been more aware of the like cycles and it's been cool to kind of see too in my relationship with Quasi the ways that we've been able to like work better together because there's the space to really sit and think it out and like, hmm, I'm feeling upset with you. We're going to take space for two hours. I'll talk to you. You know, like there's, there's room in our days to do that. Whereas in the past, I probably would have been so frantic going on to the next activity that I would have tried to finish whatever we were having a conversation about. It's just been cool to see that I can recognize those patterns in myself and then improve my relationships, <laughs> like with myself and other people that like, we just label it the COVID crankies now. If it's like, <laughs> this is like a bullshit yeah. argument. Like there's, I'm not, you could do anything and I'd be mad right now. Like it has nothing to do with you. I'm just tired of being in this room, you know, trying to navigate this space together. It's just the COVID. Totally. You said, you know, you really summed it up with it. It's your patterns. I've just been really being like, oh, there's your pattern. Are you going to change your pattern? No. Okay. It's still on that pattern. It's like everything's getting amplified or like put under a magnifying glass. Be like, here's your patterns. Here's 55 days at home. Yep. Watch yourself. Oh. And I and I say that, you know, hopefully anyone listening, like hold yourself in compassion. I'm holding myself in compassion at, at the same time. As, not, as witnessing this stuff. And I'm not really expecting myself to have any huge breakthroughs, but now, like, yeah, we're definitely a good chunk into this, 60 days, and I look back and it has been somewhat of a groundhog day and I'm happy with my flow that I've been in. It's been nice to not have to frantically go on to the next thing, like you said, but am I going to look back and be like, you could have really gotten into some good patterns and some good habits and you didn't. <laughs> I feel like it's all about that same balance. I never know. Just like the, how do we have compassion and discipline? How do we have, <laughs> you know, it's all those, that balance is always so hard for me to find. And totally. I the word that's kept coming up for me during this quarantine is compassion. Mm. And I do think I've held myself, and those around me with more compassion than I ever have. And it's been interesting because I thought that that would lead to less discipline, but somehow I think being extra compassionate has led me to be more disciplined. That's and I didn't crazy. see that coming, you know? Like, interesting. I think I, it's like an allowing. You're like, well, I, yeah. I'm, I'm holding you in compassion. So then that little part of you that's like, well, I really actually want to do this. Cause all those positive patterns and the good habits we do want to do them, right? Like, here's the simplest example. I have been noticing when I'm thirsty during the day, which I know sounds like something stupid, but as a high school teacher, I very rarely have time to notice my thirst. I'll be honest. I like, I'm chronically dehydrated. I like try really hard, but I just, it feels like it's another task on the to-do list. But somehow in quarantine, when there's less going on, I just notice it and think water sounds nice you're probably thirsty. It's mm -hmm. just a nice, simple. I think there's just a more awareness for my body and mm -hmm. for what feels good and does it. And that mm -hmm. allows for compassion and discipline to kind of work together. This mm -hmm. is a thing I'm fleshing out as we talk, but it feels like 
because I, for example, I was really aware that I was starting to get some low back pain in compassion for that. I was like, I'm going to back away from doing the flow practice for a bit because vinyasa can be a lot for my low back if I'm not properly modifying. And I, at first was just going to do nothing, which was fine. I was like, that's fine. Like you can take a few days rest. It's okay. And I did take at least one day rest. But then in that space for allowing myself to really just kind of feel into and notice what my body wanted, I was like, oh, I do want to practice. I just don't want it to be vigorous. <laughs> like there, there's a practice that doesn't like blow my low back out. Like mm-hmm. yoga, you can still do yoga without doing crazy power flow. Yeah. And that's one of the gifts of, of like needing to stay home is like we get to really feel into the flow of things. I know that parent life is very different. So, you know, blessings to the people parenting right now. But when you're an adult on your own or with other adults, you can actually really honor those gaps of time. You're like, huh, I'm just going to give myself a bit of a moment here and I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm just going to do nothing and wait and see. And that's where that beautiful gift of the deep listening comes in which is like the greatest yoga is like the real listening. And when you're not going from one through 10 in your day, like onto the next thing, onto the next thing on, I've planned this and going here next, which is definitely how I lived. Oh, me too. Um, yeah. There's this like, huh, what's, what's going to be, what's the next right thing to do? I'm going to go for a walk. Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, um, big asterisks on the conversation around COVID that like, I have a lot of privilege in this situation and it's also okay for me to be learning from it. You know, I'm a big believer in the yes. Mm-hmm. And. Like, yes, I'm really thankful for all the ways I'm privileged in the situation. And it's still okay that it's not hard sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah, it's still okay that like, that I can use this as a learning opportunity. It doesn't mean I'm not acknowledging how hard it is for other people. Cause totally full spectrum. Absolutely. And that we have the tools, you know, I think I'm so thankful for my yoga practice and where it's at in my life right now that like, Mm -hmm. you know, I have some tools, you know, if this had happened five years ago, I wouldn't have had the tools and it would have been way harder. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And all of the practice that I feel like we have done before to get us here, you know, we got to reap some rewards of the practice. So there wasn't a whole lot of, for me anyway, there wasn't a whole lot of freaking out. There were moments. There was still a lot of faith and trust and, you know, just a steadiness basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, in general, if you look at your relationship with your body, what are some of the practices that you've used to develop a stronger relationship with it? Um, thanks for asking. (laughs) No problem. Uh, putting my hands on my body, just gently resting my hands on my belly or my chest or my heart around my ribs has been something that was very subtle, but really at the, uh, as it gradually built has turned to feeling very profound and, really such a gift a long time ago maybe six or seven years ago I did a Reiki training and I didn't have an intention of you know I'm going to be a Reiki practitioner now it just felt in flow for me to explore that so I just did level one Reiki certification and that was great I I thought about doing hands-on assists with yoga classes but what I learned was that you really can do Reiki on yourself 
mm. and you can put your rest your hands on yourself. I believe Reiki is one interpretation of the healing force that it's being referred to. You could call it light energy. You could you could call it source. You can call it God. You could call it any any word. It's like beyond language. And I think that anybody could do this without necessarily having a Reiki certification. Yeah. But in the Reiki certification, she taught that you can rest your hands on yourself and channel that Reiki energy or the healing light force energy, and it can offer healing, growth, uh, nurturing, caring, energizing energy for your body. Mm. And I really liked that because I was like, oh, you could do that on yourself at any time. Mm. And so at the end of a yoga class, in Shavasana before I would get up, I would just rest my hands on, on my body and just the teaching of Reiki is that you don't need to know what you're healing. You don't need to know what ailment the human might have or that you might have. You trust the healing energy to go where it needs to go and to do what it needs to do. So that's nice too because you sort of just get out of the way. I would just put my hands on my belly and rest a little longer, you know, ask for the healing force that like, unify force the infinite energy source to move through me and and it was it was pretty small and subtle ritual mm. but as it continued over years i found myself like resting my hands on my body like hand on my chest or mm. hands holding my forearms or before i go to bed or first thing in the morning and it would happen without me thinking about it and that felt really nice. And it just, to me, signifies that we really do have everything that we need within us already and that we are our own best healers often. It's great to have a healing team. I love the healing arts. I think there are so many wonderful practitioners who offer a lot of guidance, but we can also step into being our own healers. How do you channel this energy? Just open yourself up to it. So, it, I mean, I couldn't just say just like a flippant thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. There are lots of different um, ways that people envision it. They could envision white light or blue light. Mm. I almost just imagine I'd opening myself up, like almost like opening your mind, like mm. just open your mind. This could be a thing, even though we might not be able to see it. Yeah. Get, get out of the way and just call in this, infinite energy source to clear and cleanse and even though I might not know what's going on on the intricate layers of my body and where it might need to be healed mm. things could be going disrupt you know be disrupted or going wrong and I don't even know or feel it and and may that be balanced may there be harmony I don't really overthink it I just trust that my hands have that channel mm -hmm. um and over the time I haven't really spent a lot of time putting my hands on other people yeah. but in the last year or two it's it's been coming into my mind a little bit more like just when you have an imagination and I am you know I have say somebody that I really love I have a dear friend who had a long challenging battle with cancer and I would often have strong urges to just go and touch her mm. so I think that anybody if they're interested in Reiki even if you know, you don't have an interest in becoming a Reiki practitioner and having a Reiki healing service. It's a way of understanding something 
that I believe is beyond language and it's just a nice entry point to feeling into something to have a tool in your tool belt that is accessible always and can really lead to more of a what I would think of as like a high frequency in your body and like more love energy and I, and I find it to be very grounding. Like sometimes I, if I'm holding my forearms, just like a monkey grip almost, I noticed that I would do that a lot when I was teaching mm. or if I'm having a, maybe a, a moment, a, a strong emotional moment, or I, I'm really feeling something or even a strong emotional moment of like love and joy. I want to put my hand on my chest. Mm-hmm. just feel, you know, when something happens just naturally on its own, I don't really necessarily try to figure it out. I'm like, huh. This Reiki thing is, it's, it's built a strong connection over years. Well, A, I just think that that's a really powerful idea because, you know, like, I tend to have a pretty open mind about things. I figure it can't hurt. Like, nothing, mm-hmm. that can't hurt me to touch my body and to invite in healing energy. Like, I'm in. But, like, I definitely have had experiences, particularly with our dear friend Kendra, who... I think has some some ways about her and I know she's gone through some Reiki training where like I feel things whenever she touches my body that is not just like a physical hands-on adjustment like I don't know there have been times where she was giving me an adjustment in Shavasana and I was convinced she stacked blocks on my pelvis like I just assumed I'd open my eyes and see four blocks on top of my pelvis and then I open my eyes and there's nothing and so I I think that's a really special invitation though that like I think in my mind it was something tied to special people. I was like, mm-hmm. those people know how to do that. And I'm blessed to get to receive little bits of it here and there. And I never thought of it as something to cultivate myself. Great awareness. And I can understand why you would feel like that because Kendra is extra special. She magical. is extra special. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we don't we wouldn't want anybody to miss out on, yeah, just maybe giving yourself a little bit of a healing touch, you know, potential energizing love force yourself and i've totally noticed in the last six months or so the like that hand to my chest has become like a i feel it like when my heart feels stirred i often bring my hand to my chest or both hands to my chest just because i want to feel that physical i don't know there's something about touching my body there that absolutely feels so good <laughs> like yeah. a gesture that feels so sweet and that's why you don't even necessarily have to get and go to a full training to get the certification and the, you know, tra- they do do a transfer is how Reiki is taught is that there would be a Reiki master and you do the study and you learn the, you know, the stuff from a textbook, but they also do a transferring and, you know, that's open to interpretation. I think this stuff is well beyond the, um, I don't know, the, the, the ways that modern-day humans put it in books and teach it. So everyone is in, I hope that everyone could be inspired to come into their own relationship with such a practice. Totally. I think that's beautiful. Well, this is what I meant by, like, I find that I learn a lot from you about, like, I'm a deeply grounded human being. Like, I very much live on this planet like I'm very, I don't know, I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking up in the clouds per se or like, even though I believe in that stuff, I just, it's not really where my like contemplation generally lies. And so I love any time that I get to have a conversation that peels back that layer to the metaphysical a little bit where it's like, 
Um, oh, there's bigger stuff happening. Like, as much as you don't naturally like to, like, look for it, it's there. And I think yeah. Because we have, if you practice yoga enough, at least in my experience, I would never claim that this happens regularly. But there are, like, peak experiences that I can't quite explain that have happened in my yoga practice. Where something in my body activated something that's a, it's just an unexplainable experience that I can't tell you what happened per se, but I can tell you what I felt and it was nuts. And like, I think that those are the moments that remind me that, that there is more going on behind the layers mm. that I don't always feel comfortable interacting with, but that I want to push myself to, to develop a little bit more of an awareness of. That's why I think yoga is so incredibly powerful because the postures are having a really deep effect on multi layers of, of our physical body. You know, it's not just muscles stretching and getting stronger. There are, there are things like nadis. If you want to dive into that, you know, subtle pathways of the body that carry life force or, you know, if you want to talk about chakras and energetic stuff, I, I didn't really get into chakras for a long time, but then slowly and slowly when you really start to open yourself up or peel those layers back and you're committed to doing these physical postures pretty regularly, you can't help but feel different things. Mm-hmm. And it's with that di- directed focus. Like I'm going to keep my focus in my physical body for this hour when mm-hmm. we don't, wouldn't do that. When you're working out, I find that there's rather a lot of things to think about. You know? <laughs> Move, all these different like moves and the moves are more vigorous. So there's just, yeah. <laughs> but people can find that with different things like rock climbing. I oh. think um, skiing and snowboarding can be really quite yogic in the way that people connect to their bodies. But you can also do that and be very disconnected to your body. Yeah, yeah, running. People definitely get in the zone with running and biking. But with the mindfulness teachings that happen or a teacher being in the room, like guiding you into the shapes, it's like keep your attention, keep your attention. Yeah. Like really feel into the, the fire or the space or I used to have this like, which I think most people do, where if I was doing a yoga pose and it was really hard and I really didn't want to do it anymore, I would obviously try and think about anything other than the pose, right? That's like most of our natural inclination. Like, let's build a story about two best friends eating pizza. I mean, anything (laughs) about the weirdest stuff. I was like, I'm writing novels while I'm doing these yoga poses. And I remember that some yoga teacher, I don't remember even who, told me to bring all my awareness to where it hurt the most. And I was like, you're being nuts. That sounds awful. <laughs> like, why would, you, why would you ever do that? I just think it's fascinating that when you draw really close to the intense sensation in a yoga pose, it almost softens it. In a well, way. it's like, it like melts it away almost. Right? Your attention like dissolves it. And that's nuts. Like, yeah. I don't understand why that works. <laughs> I'm still fascinated by it. It's funny where everybody's mind goes when it gets hard. Hey, I would usually be making some sort of an elaborate story about why it was like, not as like, we've held this too long. This is too much. Like this is all too much. It's, I, or even let me like, this isn't really safe anymore. Like <laughs> lots, of judge, lots of judgments about like how it really wasn't okay that we should still be doing this. Oh, that is one hard moment of becoming a yoga teacher, though, when all of a sudden you're like judgmental yoga teacher comes into the class. You're like, could you stay out of here? Like, 
the person's doing great. Like, you don't need to, like, bring up your sass. Like, uh, excuses veiled as judgment. Well, especially when you're a dear friend. You're like, oh, Kylie, really? We're still here? Oh. Uh, I mean, like, this is this is too long. I can't I can't believe you're making it hold it this long. This is too much. Yeah. And then always at that moment, she's like, "If you have strong legs, lunge deeper." And you're like, "Okay." And I try to avoid her. And then she's like, "That's you, Katie." And you're like, "Okay." Thanks for the direct call out. I will do it because you're right. Oh. So much, so much to feel. I really love the micro movements in yoga and that connection to my body, feeling the tiny little bits of awareness. Like it's almost like more puzzle pieces get added every single time. Mm-hmm. You know, the really subtle stuff like my little toe or, you know, the deep core, like working with the bundas, which are energetic locks in the body, has been amazing for a body connection. Mula bunda is pelvic floor and I know that a lot of, um, you know, pelvic floor is a little bit more of a common conversation now mm-hmm. and it will be different for mums um, who have birthed vaginally mm-hmm. um, and it's different for men. But, yeah, connecting to, to Moola Bunda, pelvic floor, with a positive, you know, positive approach of being able to fully find containment and strength but also being able to find full relaxation that was a big kind of breakthrough for me in the last couple of years watching bodies in the room and seeing and noticing and feeling into that uh, some people actually have an extremely difficult time completely relaxing yeah and and their their bodies are quite rigid all the time and there's a lot of holding on a lot and this central muscle like deep 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 in our core that is actually made up of like many muscles and it is like a cylinder so it kind of goes in full 365 degree direction there's a lot of disconnect and there's a huge amount of disconnect um, especially for women around the lower belly area like below the belly button like almost like a complete like numbness or, or a shutdown and for what I've observed with bodies breathing in a room, being able to take a proper inhale, like a complete fully receptive inhale means allowing your lower belly to kind of puff out a little bit. Yeah. And most of us, if we've consumed any media in our life, it's not a good idea to have a puffy out low belly. Yeah. Although that's how we're built. So there's a lot of sucking in and pulling in all the time for a flat stomach. And that's really not, not beneficial for our bodies. I honestly thought that that's how everyone lived all the time. I thought that everyone had light engagement at their core a thousand percent of their days. And I was in the last, during quarantine, so it's not even that long ago, I was talking to Quasi and I said something about it. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you just walk around with your belly loose all day. And he's like, yeah, it's really nice. I was like, really? <laughs> I also wondered if there's some gendered issues around this topic. I was just shocked that somebody would just walk around with their belly at full looseness in public. It just like had never occurred to me that that's well, everybody. It's quite different for all bodies, obviously. But I mean, I... <laughs> I lived like that for a little bit and then got a sore low back. So it's <laughs> <laughs> low back was sore. So I was like, we should find some containment. Like let's yeah, find a little there's containment. There's a balance. There's a balance. But if 
if um, especially women, if, if they've been conditioned to be like flat stomach, suck it in, stand tall, keep sucking it in your whole life. Yeah. One of my teachers, um, Simon Borg Olivier from Australia, who's wonderfully intelligent, um, he even spoke to how that can really actually be damaging for reproductive organs. I think so. It's too much tension. Too, now, yeah. And, yeah. Go ahead. Now, for those people who are listening who are like, I'm still not exactly sure what body part we're talking about. So we're talking, can you Fine. very precisely give us what yeah. your is? And if you know how we can easily Thanks find for bring it. Thanks, Thanks for bringing it back. Yeah. We'll bring it back. So pelvic floor is an area that men also have. It's not, it's not just women. For men, it is between the anus and the balls that okay. little area so if you imagine that little area and for women it's i mean it's pretty similar up kind of pulling that area up inside you so there is a lift lifting up action i like to think of it as an elevator mm-hmm. and the elevator is down to say towards the ground mm-hmm. and that would be fully relaxed and when you exhale and you're completely empty of air there is an opportunity to lift that elevator up inside you. And it can, it's lifting up, not just from floor zero to floor 10. You want to consciously go through floor one through 10. So it's a slow lift up when you exhale, which can be confusing for people because most people would think of it as like lifting up when you inhale. Mm. But then when you inhale, you want to relax and you relax so that the body can receive and there are um, almost like hammock-like shapes in the body, like the diaphragm. Mm-hmm. And the diaphragm and the pelvic floor work together, like synchronized together. Gotcha. So in some yogic practices, in different moments, you might lift Mulabandha on an inhale, like at the top of the breath, hold the breath in, turn Mulabandha on, pelvic yeah. floor lifts up. But generally, as you exhale, your pelvic floor is engaging slightly every time you exhale, even if you're not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And it is relaxing slightly when you inhale, even if you're not thinking about it. So when you bring your attention to it and you incorporate bandhas, mula bandha or pelvic floor into your yoga practice, it's just about, it's a practice. You're just bringing a bit more attention to it so that you can engage it a little bit more. Maybe you can relax it a little bit more. But a healthy pelvic floor in both men and women can be completely relaxed and completely engaged. And I remember, so, thinking, at least I yeah. think the way that root, I... Root lock. Oh, yeah. I think the way that I... Root lock is another... Root lock is another name for it? Root lock is another name for it. And in one lineage, like Kundalini Yoga, which I practice and sometimes teach, they do... They, they say pretty like clearly and generally in most kundalini classes um pull the sex organs in and up mm. so that's really clear saying sex organs yeah i find sometimes that a bit like abrasive and i don't really want to say that a lot in a class yeah um so when you feel your your bones in your bottom your sits bones that bony part of your bottom like you can even touch it with your hands imagine like those two bones magnetizing towards one another and then pulling that up inside you what that if someone thinks like i've never felt this before what would be an easy way for them to try and find it or is there an easy way 
imagine like you're trying to stop stop yourself from peeing. Okay, that's what if I thought. You're trying right? to stop yourself from peeing. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, totally. Thanks for keeping it, bringing it back to something really clear and accessible. <laughs> well, I just want to make sure you, know, you and I can go up in the clouds. But I was like, let's make sure people know what we're talking about. <laughs> I remember that, I is what, that is what makes a great podcast host. <laughs> well That's done. Sure, we're all on the same page. I remember also finding a nice way to find my at least deep abdominal muscles was the first time someone had me lay on my back and fully exhale. I don't think I realized the full range of motion of an inhale and exhale for years. Even, I mean, it took a few years of yoga practice to be like, oh, I can really exhale, like get rid of a lot of air and really feel my belly hook up and in, in a way that I was not aware of. And this, and the opposite, like you're talking about really loosen and let everything balloon open. You can definitely tell when you watch a big group of people breathe who has a hard time letting go enough to breathe in very far. Or you're like, I'm not, I don't know what percentage of your breath you just got, but like your belly is not loosening enough to breathe fully. Breath, breath, breath is a really uh, good indicator and hint to how the human form is doing. It's a big statement, but I kind of believe it and, and I do like it, is how you breathe is how you live. Mm. It's, that's a big one. A lot of people do... Um, do live their lives shallow breathing because they haven't been invited to explore what a full breath is. If you haven't been to a yoga class or ever to a physiotherapist would work with breath or any sort of breath work, um, a lot of people might be breathing just in the upper cavity of their chest. Totally. When really the diaphragm needs to keep moving. And some people experience stressful moments or traumatic moments in their life that means that they clam up or the body really clams up to protect them yeah. in that moment of stress or trauma. And it doesn't let go because it's like, oh, I've got to keep you safe. And that could be something as young as a child, like someone even quite little, like a baby, you know, someone slams a door or something happens as yelling and the baby just goes, <gasps> and then maybe they don't breathe a calm, explored, a fully explored breath into their adult life. Well, listen to the episode with, uh, L is uh, her name, but she's a therapist who talks all about trauma and breathing and how it affects the body. And I learned a ton. Like, I didn't know that, like, mm-hmm. oh, it makes sense what you just did. You know how you like <gasps> gasp from trauma, that like reverse breathing pattern of inhale and then exhale is where you're like, or you know how when I speak to that? Out, what? Yeah, that has a name. I can't remember it right yeah. now. Anyway, I don't want to steal her episode, but Elle had some great suggestions. <laughs> and I learned a lot because looking back in my life, I did realize that I did have some reverse breathing patterns that when I was younger, I used to inhale and get tighter and exhale and get looser, which is probably because of some who knows what thing happened where I gasped and then thought that that's how you're supposed to breathe. Um, I think there's yeah. a power in helping people connect to their breath and help. Yeah. And, and like knowing this stuff takes a lot of time. I've been, you know, I've been working with the bundas that that yogic term for internal locks of seals for energy to contain energy for, I mean, I've been on the mat for 15 years. So, yeah. and I, and I still feel like I'm, I'm at the beginning of, of really diving into this And the same thing with the Reiki, like that's been going on seven years and there's other practices 
But even though I've been doing these things for a long time, I'm still very much in the practice and I'm not an expert. And so anybody that chooses to tune in and, and listen to your wonderful inquiry podcast um, this is like a, it's a lifelong practice because you're in a lifelong journey in this body that is your home for your entire lifetime. It's not, it's not going to end. It's not going to, I mean, it will end one day, this relationship with this body, but there'll be no arrival of like, Oh, now I perfectly wholly and completely love myself. Great. Tick the box or <laughs> yep. Now I've mastered the bundles or it's like, no, just, you know, you're in it a little bit every day. And yeah. As you go on, every couple of months, every couple of years, like, oh, cool, I had a bit of growth. But, <laughs> yeah. And then things come up and they, tr they trigger us again. I just, yeah. um, you know, COVID stuff is triggering and, you know, the active practice of loving really what is and, like, loving skin changing loving the body changing loving getting stronger i'm all about feeling really strong i love feeling strong mm -hmm. and able-bodied i celebrate my able body every day it's amazing to have an able body absolutely yeah. well i just remember there being a moment in my life and i couldn't even tell you where because i'm sure like everything it was a gradual journey where i went from like feeling that i had gotten screwed over in the body department. Like I definitely, a lot of my life was like, well, whoever put me in this one fucked it up. Like this one's not great. Like I don't like it. I'm really short and like very curvaceous and I don't understand why. Like I just, could I just be a little bit more standard? That'd be great. And I feel like the moment where I stopped like trying to trade it in and just being like, let's make the best of the one I got. Like, <laughs> unfortunately they're trying to trade in policy. So the more I could sit here and continue to be upset about the one I received, or I could embrace it and just try and see what fun adventures are available here. Because there probably are. Totally. <laughs> totally. And you know, something that I can really add to that that was a bit of a breakthrough probably in the last year is that this body, I really feel like, is a gift from the divine, is what I call it. Maybe you call it God, or it's a gift to come into a body. And this is like a part of the earth that I have to mm. really, I want to take care of it. And what an incredible opportunity to be a human. So if I'm given a human body, how about I take care of it? And if I look around and I love all the different trees and I love all the different flowers and the different nature landscapes that most of us in our community celebrate, like this, I didn't like build this body myself. It was given to me. Yeah. So I better just get on board and love it how it is with the freckles, with the wrinkles, with the soft parts, with the funny shaped parts. Mm -hmm. So true. I've never thought about it that way. Because think about all the love and respect I give to my millions of houseplants. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> little pieces of earth that I love to love and take care of. And I name some of them. You know, what if I tried to show the same love and appreciation for my own little piece of the earth that I'm inhabiting? It's a beautiful thought. Yeah. And that's where I think really positive um, relationship can come in with what foods that we choose because I have my indulgences and I have my habits and patterns with food, you know, like so many of us do or other indulgences like wine or beer. And when you really start to feel your body as a gift and you're like, wow, like how did that 
how did that pizza make me feel? Like, yeah. did I really feel good after eating that pizza or did that upset my stomach for the next 24 hours? Or meat was the big one like that for me. Mm. I can sometimes enjoy the flavors and the taste, but I'll notice it for hours or days to come. So because of paying attention and being like, oh, my body is just saying that doesn't, doesn't need that. And as you tune in, you want to take care of the body by giving it whole foods, the right amount of foods at the right time of the day. That's something I'm still really working rather with. Rather than. Yeah. I am definitely getting there over the slowly, but surely it's been a long journey for me, but I definitely have been able, like I came up with this mantra for myself. I make thoughtful and loving food choices so that like when I want to go eat something, I just try and stop and be like, is this a thoughtful and loving choice? Because there are times where I want the Thin Mints and that's okay. Like eat my Thin Mints, but I just want it to be a thoughtful and loving choice, not a reaction to I'm upset or a reaction to I'm having feelings. So your, your mantra is I'm making a thoughtful and loving choice. Yeah, I make thoughtful and loving food choices. I like that because then it's at least conscious. Sometimes it's great to have a treat. Like right. I don't, I don't think it's positive to be like I'm, I'm not allowed this thing. No. But if you're really gonna stand there and be like I'm thoughtfully and lovingly choosing to enjoy this piece of cake or what pizza, yeah. whatever. There's no, I don't really believe in like bad foods and oh I know I would never eat that. Like I think that's a healthy way of being. And I like the idea that the word healthy was not involved. Because <laughs> I did I didn't have to be a healthy choice. Like it can be a not healthy choice. I just want it to be a thoughtful and loving one. Like I want it to show myself love. And that can be with eating great food and sometimes eating something delicious that mm-hmm. not gonna give me anything other than satisfaction. And that's okay. Totally. Totally. Do you have any other practices for us? We got our Reiki one took us far. Yeah, and then we talked about the bundas. Mm-hmm. There is one that has um, I, I I thought that would be good for us to touch on is I I like naturally have drier skin and I like to use oil and I cover myself in oil every day mm-hmm. and rub my body with oil. Usually it's almond oil. <laughs> from head to toe mindfully just about every single day Mm. and while I'm doing that it's not just like quickly lather on like lotion and just get clothes on out the door I need to let the oil sink in so often I'll spend more time just naked letting the oil sink in Mm. um and when I'm applying the oil it's I'm doing it in a with a loving loving touch like a loving way and if there's one thing that I've really, I believed seen, like all these things contribute to a full picture, but the love that I have for my body definitely changed mm. massively from that practice. And I actually think that my body looks different because of that practice. And I think that by loving my body, I think that I look different since I've loved myself more. Mm. But I'm and sure. sometimes that will involve standing in front of a mirror and pardon? Oh, no, I just said I totally believe that that's true, that your body could look different from just loving it. You can even see the way people carry themselves change yeah. and they start to love themselves. Totally, totally, like standing, standing a little taller and 
just, I guess, like knowing my body, but with my own touch, just like high elbow, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and sometimes that in, involves standing in front of the mirror naked. And it was a programming that I had to like replace existing programming. And the existing programming was like, I could even go so far as saying hatred, like not liking it, absolutely not liking it picking out everything that's wrong with it, wanting it to be different, like not loving it for sure. And that, that loop is, is there. It's strong. I'm sure that it kicked in when I was a child looking at media, I wanted my body to be different. And so it's going to take time for that programming to get replaced. But I was actively like loving my body just the way it was covering it in oil because it felt good. My skin's dry. It felt like the right, you know, that's what needed to happen. And yeah, actively replacing existing programming with new programming, which was like, I love you body. Totally, totally love my body. I especially love my body because I don't experience pain in my body, except for monthly when I bleed a little bit, but even in the process of loving my body more and coming to a place even where I was like, maybe I'm going to start being like, maybe I can love my monthly bleed. The pain got less. So I don't experience pain in my body. I don't have ailments. Like I'm very able-bodied. It's that's amazing. And all the different functions and all the different systems that happen in my body um, happen. Like I'm not on medication. I, things are regulating themselves. The operating system is working. Like if, yeah if I can carry on in my day and be the human that I am, like, you know, be the personality that I am without something like, Oh, I have this difficult time with this medication. I have this difficult time with the irregular something, something or a painful knee or then what a blessing. Then my body is flipping perfect. Don't, it doesn't have to be a swimsuit model. I don't have to fit into a certain size of clothes. No. Well, and even when we have no. those, we can try and love ourselves through them which is hard, you know, like I have a thyroid disorder. I have a little knee thing, but I find the more I love my body, the more I take, the more I get this really deep awareness of what my body needs that helps me with that ailment. You know, like I, I'm much more sensitive now to the like, Ooh, this is not going to feel great for my knee. So I'm going to modify, like, there's no need to do that thing. Like jogging is not for me and my knee. So that's why I got a bike. I was like, I still need to do cardio. I want to improve mm -hmm. my cardiovascular strength, but I don't need mm -hmm. to draw. Like, that's not for me. Or like... Totally. And it's absolutely... It. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're probably... I mean, there could be little whispers in your body where you're like, you've probably made amazing adaptions since knowing that you have a thyroid disorder that, that yeah. help your body. Totally. And then I can just... Like the real listening. Yeah, I just, I deeply listen a lot more in the last few years. And so I can feel when, oh, there's something a little off, or I think you forgot to take your medication because you can feel these subtle changes in your body that helps me treat myself better. Just because I'm more aware. Like that's mm -hmm. all it takes. And you taught me your little oil trick. And I have not fully adopted the Jane method yet, I will say, but I take a nightly bath. And many oh. times a week, I like oil my arms and legs and my body before I get in the bath. And then I just nice. live in the like oily water, you know, and then slow yeah. let the water drain and let it dry on my skin. And it feels so nice. Perfect. 
and those positive affirmations do you you have a great new positive affirmation for some eating habits do you have any positive affirmations that you work with for your body no but i think i probably should um but i want to think more about it i think there's it could be something very powerful to me i'm not ready yet to do it daily but you know i can work towards lotioning myself in a full body mirror like a lot of mirrors are always my waist up because i'm so short so i actually very rarely have to confront the parts of my body i'm most self-conscious about because i can't really see them because i'm not very tall and things very rarely even come to my belly button and so i think there would be some power in me in front of a full-length mirror you know starting to try and oil myself in a way and trying to give those mm. emotions, you know i think a lot of us have parts mm -hmm. of our body that we don't like to look at that we like, even if we're oh, gonna yeah. make, like avoid, like don't make eye contact with my belly button. I'm not interested in that zone. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, you know, yeah. I think there's and a way. that like that's still gonna that still comes off for yeah. sure. Like, why did crop tops have to come back in fashion? I'm never gonna wear a crop top now. All you can buy anywhere is crop tops. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I love a crop top is the high waist. Thank the you. Was a was a. <laughs> Um, thank you is a, a really like, I don't know, kind of came forward as a, as a mantra for my reprogramming was like, thank, thanking my body. Like, thank you. I love you. And yeah. that, that was pretty good repetition of, of the deprogramming of not enjoying it. Totally. And I also, at, at one point, um, he, this man's not in my life anymore, but you know, different relationships with different people have such a huge impact on our bodies mm. um, and our relationship with our bodies. So I had a man in my life who like pretty much praised me like I was, a, you know, a Victoria's Secret model for consistently pretty much every day for almost three years. And I had a big, that was a big healing for me mm. to okay. be celebrated in a physical sense, no matter what, no, absolutely no matter what, you know, looking bedraggled first thing in the morning, you know, all, all spectrum. Mm -hmm. Mascara under my eyes, like <laughs> middle of winter, super pale, pasty, curvy, whatever. He, he just, loved, he verbally celebrated me. And I think that was a big healing and he's no longer in my life. And, you know, I think that the strength from that, I hope to carry with me. Absolutely. So the, I think the ways that other people, especially if you're intimate with, with someone mm -hmm. um, and some men, that's not normal for them. They don't, they don't have the, the confidence and the vocabulary to fully celebrate a woman's body at mm -hmm. any opportunity. So that's been a huge gift in my lifetime. Uh, I think he was a big part of my, changing of the programming because the programming for not loving my body was I think pretty strong and deep and he helped really unravel that along with all of these practices but having someone love you like that and love your body like that is is really special I think that's so true yeah and like and then the opposite would be could be pretty pretty detrimental to oh. somebody I can't imagine the trauma of having someone be critical of my body regularly. I, d I think that would be incredibly challenging. Or, or it could be just like lack of acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's horrendous to think of someone saying not positive things to somebody, but any like 
just a lack of acknowledging that mm. I think anyone, if you get to be naked with someone, like it's something to celebrate, like give them some, <laughs> give them some verbal, you know, verbal just beauty for the human form. I think it's true the other direction too. I think often we don't give men enough validation of their physical forms, but like men also suffer from a lack of self-confidence sometimes or places in their body they're uncomfortable with. And I think it's important too is, is to whoever your partner is to give them a little appreciation. I think that's a beautiful way you put it. If you get to be naked with somebody, that's like a pretty miraculous, amazing experience. So make sure that you're showing some appreciation for the person. Yeah. I also think now that I think about it, totally. I said I didn't have a mantra about my mom. Them. But I think you're right. Now that you brought it up, I think the one way that I've been trying to praise my body more is because I tend to have mantras and not realize it till afterwards or till it's become such an ingrained part of my life. And I'm like, Oh, that is a thing you say to yourself a lot. But I've been saying a lot. Thank you for your efforts to my body. Like when I will walk or bike or do a yoga class, like, thank you for your effort, strong legs, oh, thank you for your effort, strong arms. You mm. know, I think there's something about strong that mm-hmm. takes it away from the, how it looks, you know, yeah. like where I don't, I just, I want to have a yeah. body that functions well and that I feel good moving in. So I think there's something to be, yeah. to making the gratitude based around that idea as opposed to how it looks. I really like saying thank you for your efforts. Totally. And like, let's hope the body moves for us for many years to come. Yeah. Right. 32. I, I'm with you. I'm starting to experience aging in a new way. No, I mean, I'm only 32, but I just, yeah, I never, I didn't think much about aging. I just never really thought about it. And then I was like, oh, my skin is very dry now. Like, what has changed? Me neither. <laughs> I feel like that's probably what happened. <laughs> I was like, oh, hmm, that, that's something. Yeah. yeah. There's also, I think, with aging a, a bit, I think it comes in like the, it comes in like the two parts of like, huh, oh, I see. But then also like a deep acceptance. Oh, yes. And you're like, okay, this is, this is the body I was given and, and I've had it for these wonderful 34 years. So, it's been with me the whole time. What a gift. <laughs> Is there any final idea, topic, question you'd like to explore? Oh, I think we did a pretty good job of covering a lot. How do you feel? Do you feel like we've covered some good ground? Yeah, I feel like we walked away with some really great practical things for someone to try who's interested in trying to build some more practices in their life to support loving themselves which like if there's anything I want for people to do in the world it's love themselves I feel like when you love yourself you can love everyone Mm -hmm. around you with this Mm -hmm. new depth and this new acceptance and compassion yeah that I just would love to see I just see it in my own life like the sweeter and kinder and more compassionate and loving I am with myself the more loving I am with my partner, for sure. Way more loving with the people around me, you know. I think that matters. So thank you for sharing those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of patience for sure. Because this, 
I mean, we're going to call it like unprogramming, reprogramming from what we're fed. I think it's very real. And I hope that anybody listening knows that the, the world that we live in has been feeding our subconscious with a certain programming that simply isn't true. It's yeah. just not true that you have to look any other way than the beautiful way that you were born. And as long as you're nurturing your body to have optimum health in the way that you feel like let's keep moving and like, let's have a strong um, system to engage in participating in the world. But it really doesn't need to look like anything in a magazine or anything on TV or anything in movies. That stuff is like subliminal messaging. It is subconscious programming and these industries need us to feel like we need the thing to, to be, to feel good. And I'm just, I'm just a hundred percent not on board with continuing on with that message. And I actively try and reprogram myself and I'm, I want other people to look towards reprogramming themselves as well. And if you think about how much media we've consumed in a lifetime, magazines, Instagram, TV, movies, it's a lot of deprogramming, reprogramming. It's a lot of active, participated work. Be like, no, nope. love my body, look in the mirror and love it. Love it for the way it moves. Love it for the way that it feels. Love it for its uniqueness. We're all, every human is so unique. And when this point zero 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 percent of people gets put on a screen and blasted across the whole world repetitively it's just not real and I think something that I've noticed living in different parts of the world people are different in different parts of the world and it was a huge gift being able to come down to Seattle more regularly because my city in British Columbia Kelowna it's small it's a very small city it's a very like white picket fence simple city um it's not very culturally diverse it's it's great i mean it's simple and great but it doesn't have a lot of diversity and coming down to seattle is always just this like great big okay yes there's a whole lot of different walks of life out here and doing something like go to dance church and watching everybody absolutely crush it in their authenticity just lit me up like so much and um Beautiful. And even in yoga, like the people that make their way to a yoga studio can often be a very similar demographic. They can, they can all look pretty similar depending on where you are in the world and where you are in a city or what the culture of the studio is. But really it's, it can be all walks of life. Absolutely. Um, and the culture in Australia is slightly different to America and it's slightly different to Canada. And I mean, it's different from, from Europe and there are those little shifts across the world. Um, unfortunately, I think North America has been especially bombarded with imagery to convince us to be an, any another way um, to feed an industry. And I'm, I don't support that industry. I've scaled back massively on certain things that I purchase. I was still going to tanning beds up until last year. And really? I'm officially one year tanning bed free. Oh, congrats. Congratulations. <laughs> Which sounds even silly to speak to, but yeah. And like even some, 
even for being as silly as that of like, oh, I want it, I want to be more tanned, or you know, things like, I mean, if if false eyelashes are your thing, I've been there too, but like them for certain moments, but I'm slowly becoming more comfortable with being completely makeup free in a photograph or on camera. Yeah. So sharing a video on Insta story for the studio and having not a drop of makeup on, especially because I'm fair, no mascara, I can look like albino or just I can look a bit funny without mascara on. And I'm, I, t- I was totally okay with it. I was like, no, this is what I look like. What a beautiful journey. So slowly breaking up with the like, dyeing my hair and changing my skin tone and using all the makeup and makeup's not practical for hot yoga. So I got a phased out of that one. <laughs> I remember my friend Brianne. Brianne said to me, well, for her, it's like a patriarchy issue, but she was just like, why are women convinced that our faces, there's something wrong with them? Like men don't put a bunch of base makeup all over their face to make their face look so like some weird flat canvas. And she was like, I stopped using it. And maybe two, a year and a half ago, I did too. <laughs> and she encouraged me and I did. And I have worn like full foundation other than like a special occasion or something. But because my skin is kind of pinky and I was always embarrassed about my like reddish skin. And so I just always had on makeup. And I remember that feeling radical to be like, you're right. I, why, why am I not used to looking at my own face? Like what's wrong with my face? <laughs> Nothing. So... Nothing. It's just that we see these images that are photoshopped constantly or um, actors in movies and TV that have a lot of stage makeup and they look a certain way and they've worked, you know, they've worked to get to be actors are beautiful and models are beautiful. And I, and I celebrate that and, and they're making art a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. but then there's a different entry point to certain things and there's advertising and the way that they, they do want us spending money to buy stuff to keep a whole industry going. Like we need the next kind of eyebrow pencil. We need the next sparkly something. I love it. Radical Jane is welcome here anytime. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Yeah. I'm, thinking, I'm like, oh, I, do, I do love putting the sparkly makeup on when we're in the forest at some meltdown, but there's a time and a place. Exactly. There's a time and a place for it. I yeah. think the problem is when you think, that there's something wrong with you when you don't have it. Like I, for a while, got fake eyelashes, the like extensions. And then at one point I was like, so attached to them. I knew I needed to get rid of them. Cause I was like, I think there's something mm. wrong with my face without them. Like that's a problem. If it was just fun for a little bit, that's fine. But I don't want to get to a place where I think my face looks weird. Oh, I, I lived my whole life like that with mascara. I've been wearing mascara every single day of my life since I was 13 because I have blonde eyelashes. Yeah. And I mean, COVID life has maybe helped with this and definitely hot yoga because mascara doesn't work with hot yoga. No, but just no. having to be like, what, this is your face. <laughs> oh, see, and it all comes full circle to what we started with. Like, I always thought that you were so beautiful and would have had no idea that you were ever self-conscious about things. But it's the same reminder that like, that's how everyone feels. Like everyone looks at somebody else and sees all their beautiful qualities. We see the way that they like light up the world and we think like, wow, that's a beautiful person. But the reality, Mm -hmm. you're probably thinking about that about us too. Absolutely. See that in ourselves, you know? 
That's so true and so beautiful. And it's that inner radiance. And I think that the inner radiance comes from like a real cultivation of acceptance, of acceptance of yourself and love for yourself and that love. It, it isn't just, oh yeah, unconditional love. It's kind of sticky and like, ugh, like got to look at myself in the mirror with eyes of love, like, or put my hands on my body and say, I love you. Like, that's weird. And like, I don't know about this. And it took effort and it was difficult at first. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank but then you the so- inner radiance, and then the, and then the inner radiance comes. I think it's a Roald Dahl quote. And it's, if, if you have good thoughts, they will shine out of you like sunbeams and you will always look lovely. Oh, what a perfect way to end. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, totally. Oh, I love you so much. I'm really proud of you for making this, these conversations happen. I can't wait to tune in and listen. Thank you so much. Love you too, Jane. Absolutely. find you and your body on spotify apple podcasts and google podcasts for more info check out my facebook page my instagram you and your bod pod and my website www.youandyourbodpod.com our artwork was provided by the incredible amber catford seriously check out her instagram and our music by a dear friend cinnamon sugar it's truly been an honor See you next week. And if you're still-